What's going on, brothers? Welcome back to another episode of Horn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and it's good to be here with you. I know that it's been uh, over a month, actually, since I've recorded a podcast, and that's not typically, that's probably the longest break I've had since I started recording these. And the reason is, is I've been working on something uh, in the background that I wanted to share with you all, first of all, as we kick off this episode today. Uh, and it's really just a passion project that I've been working on. Uh, and and it came out of the fact, a couple of things. Number one is I have a group of brothers uh, who I do life with, and they are... Um, I mean, I just spent some time with them a couple of weeks ago. We went on a Monday and a Tuesday, and we uh, got together. We reviewed our goals for the year. We reviewed our quarterly targets. Um, we ate together. We worshiped together, prayed together, uh, confessed sin together. And um, and so this has been very, very instrumental since 2000 in my life. And I have gotten. The second reason uh, I've been working on this is I have gotten numerous requests. As a matter of fact, I just got one yesterday for a group that men can join, a group that men can be a part of, that that they can, hey, is there any kind of way I can have accountability? I mean, I've gotten so many messages from men who say they don't have accountability, or maybe that they're not ready to share it with men who they do everyday life with. And so... What I've been working on is that type of community, and I'm ready to kick it off. It is called themanofvalor.com. And so this is different than the course, than the Natural Porn Killer course, although it is going to have the course inside of it, a probably an updated version of the course. This is really about us meeting on a weekly basis and having accountability and having community as best we can scattered around the country and the world, right? So this is going to be open for any man of God who desires to like live this modern man of valor lifestyle. And this comes out of what I saw in scripture when David's men were called mighty men of valor. Uh, I just kind of have changed it to uh, the, the website is themanofvalor.com, but I'm thinking of changing the name of it to Modern Man of Valor because that's what we need in the church today. And that's what I need. Like I need to surround myself with men who are going to war with each other, not just accountability partners, but men who are concerned with their families, with how, like, how the gospel is... Uh, promoted in their workplace, what they do with their bodies. So it's not just a spiritual group that talks about things that have to do with us spiritually, but also physically, uh, family life. I, I like to name it. If you've listened to any of these podcasts before, you've heard me say body, being, balance, and business. The being part is the spiritual part, and everything must flow through that. So all of life is looked at through the lens of the gospel. But that doesn't mean that we don't live with our bodies. So how do we steward our bodies well? It doesn't mean that we don't live with our wives and our children. How do we steward those relationships well? How do we lead them with integrity? And then also in the workplace, we're also called to live in the workplace. And 
um, and to to be a gospel witness in the workplace. So what does that look like for the modern man of valor? So that's what this community is about. If you're interested, visit themanofvalor.com and check it out. And uh, yeah, so that's it. That's my that's my uh, promotion for it, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you can find out more information at that website. So let's get started. Because going back to this, going back to this man of valor, this idea of what a man should be in today's society, and there's a lot of competing voices out there saying this is what a man should be. But I think T- Paul was very clear with Timothy. Here he is. He's about to... Uh, be executed, and Paul knows that he's he's on in his last, very last stage of life, and he knows the end is is near. And so, what is he writing to his primary disciple? Like Paul called Timothy his child in the faith. Like this was his primary disciple. I'm discipling Timothy. What do I want Timothy to know before I go? So, this passage, what we're going to look at, comes from Second Timothy, and is. like, this is what you and I need to hear. And so this is why uh, I I, um, shared this at the conference in Missouri this past weekend. I'm going to share it with you today. And ultimately, what I hope you understand is that a man of God is not only concerned with his own freedom in Christ, his own freedom from habitual sin, but he's also concerned with the freedom and the spiritual life of other brothers around him. And this is the whole life of making disciples, of disciple-making. This is what Paul was doing with Timothy. He's like, Timothy, I'm not just concerned with me. I'm concerned with you because you have a message. You have a mission from Christ, and I want to see you fulfill that. I want to see you fulfill that through the grace of Jesus Christ and his working in your life. And brother, I want you to fulfill your mission and your calling in life, whatever that looks like. And when we are stuck in this circle of insanity, trapped in pornography use over and over and over and over again, we will never fulfill God's calling in our life. We forfeit it. We forfeit it. And and it's not too late like to change your entire life it's not too late and and this is the truth i wrote this down like union with christ and beholding his glory is the surest remedy for porn addiction but not only that union with christ and beholding his glory is the surest remedy to fulfilling your mission If you are just out looking for porn blockers and accountability partners, these are not bad things. not saying they're bad things, but they're not the best thing. You desire complete and utter satisfaction in Christ. And I'll tell you, in today's world, this is very, very difficult. It's very difficult. Partly because you and I are not persecuted for our faith. I, I just finished uh, this weekend while I was in California. I was reading the story, The uh, I think it's an autobiography, uh, Corey Ten Boom. Um, it's called The Hiding Place. And I was just humbled, humbled, humbled. This is a, a family of believers and uh, she and her father and her sisters, and uh, they they helped rescue uh, Jews during uh, the Nazi occupation of Holland. 
through their little watch shop. And, uh, and then ultimately she went to prison for this. She and her sister went to prison and it's just an incredible story of God's faithfulness in the midst of persecution and man, how they had to lean on Christ during those times. So the danger for you and I is we're, we're not under Nazi occupation. Our, our faith is not threatened Physically, with physical violence, uh, with imprisonment, it's not threatened that way in the free countries. If you're living in a free country as you're listening to this, it's it's just not. And so the, the greater danger is comfort and conformity to the world. It's not pain and persecution, it's prosperity. And so we need to hear these words from Paul to Timothy. So here we go. This is let's let's get into it. So 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. You then, my child, this is Paul, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, first of all, we have to recognize, and Paul is reminding Timothy that as a man of God, as his children, we receive our strength from the grace of Jesus Christ. So there's no strength that you have that means much without the grace of Jesus Christ. Like there's no strength. I want you, I hope you can hear if you have struggled with porn for years and years and decades, even I want you to understand this is very, very important. Strength comes from the grace of Jesus Christ and the grace of Jesus Christ flows through you the closer you get to him, the more you spend time in communion with him. So this is how a real man of God finds strength for spiritual battles and finds wisdom to make decisions that will honor God, namely how to walk in obedience. So let me keep going. Verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So that here's this is the model of disciple making that Paul's giving Timothy and that Paul's giving the rest of us. The Holy Spirit had Timothy had Paul write this down to Timothy, but the Holy Spirit also applies this to our life. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, brother, child in, in the faith, I need you to entrust that to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. We need to be make, faithfully making disciples of faithful men who will then go and make disciples. And so here comes the, the meat of what I want to share in the next several verses. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So, how do we get strength? How do we get that strength? How is the grace of Jesus applied to our lives practically? It, be it begins with knowing him. And to know him, we must spend time with him. There is no strength that will be distributed then displayed in our life without a personal and daily walk with Christ. And this comes through the word of God. Uh, Timothy later tells, I mean, Paul tells Timothy later in this passage, do your best to present 
yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So let me ask you this question. Are you doing your best to present your God, present yourself to God as one approved, rightly handling the word of truth? Brother, you have a responsibility to learn the word of God so that you can then go and share with faithful men who will then be able to go and share with others also. So in order to do that, you must know him in his word. This does not mean you need to sign up for um, a Bible theology class. This doesn't mean that you have to enroll in seminary. But it does mean you need to spend time with a faithful translation of the Word of God, deeply pouring over it, asking questions, thinking through, looking at the context of the passage. I'll do another podcast at a later time on how to study the Word of God. But first and foremost, before we get into these passages where he says, hey, Timothy, you need to be a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. You and I, brothers, we need to know how to handle the word of truth, and this takes patient practice. So, are you doing your best as call as Paul commands us? Or are you giving your best to something far less worthy? So let's get into it. Verses three and four, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We've already established the fact that Paul called Timothy a child of his, right? And so that you and I are children of God, but you are also called to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean when when Paul uses the terminology soldier to Timothy, what do you think he meant by that? What are characteristics, common characteristics of a good soldier? So this is not just an ordinary soldier. He says good soldier. What are characteristics of a good soldier? Well, I, I was just thinking through this. They're trustworthy. They're obedient. They're determined. They're skilled in combat. They're brave. Like a good soldiers, think about the best soldiers that you know. Like, why would Paul use the analogy of a soldier with Timothy? Well, there's one reason he would use it, and that's because he knows, Paul knows, and he's trying to communicate to Timothy, and he's trying to communicate to us today that life is war and spiritual battles are real. Life is war. And the more you begin to understand this and believe this, and when you wake up, understand that you have to train for war, meaning I need to go and find my satisfaction in Christ because the world is going to come at me today. Like I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to be around um, people. I'm going to have to make decisions. And, and Satan can use anything to attack you. Paul wrote, wrote to Timothy in his previous book, 1 Timothy 1.18, I, this I charge 
This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Paul again to Timothy earlier. Wage war. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So Paul's telling the church in 2 Corinthians 10, we wage war, just not like the world wages it. Like our war is a spiritual war. Again, in 1 Timothy, he's talking to Timothy and he's saying in 1 Timothy 6, he's saying, as for you, O man of God, flee these things. So flee earthly pursuits and then pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith, Paul tells Timothy. And even Peter carries the same language. First Peter 4, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. I mean, the phrase arm yourself, that's, that terminology is used in war. Like Christ suffered, he came to this earth and he took the very worst that men had to give him. And so Paul, Peter's telling this church that is undergoing persecution, he's like, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, the same way that Christ thought, because you have the mind of Christ through the spirit of God that lives in you. He says, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then we all know Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6, talking about be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle or we do not go to war against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what keeps men from taking this seriously. And if you've ever listened to any of my previous podcasts, you know this is a recurring theme for me. Because I believe it was sometime in 2018 when I began to wake up and see life as war. And the call to love people selflessly is something my flesh does not want. That's why it's war. The call to give my life as a sacrifice, to lay it down, to take up my cross and follow Christ on a daily basis is not something my flesh wants. That's why it's war. That's why every day I have to go to war because I know my mind, my flesh, the world, and our great enemy Satan is going to tempt me over and over and over to do what I want to do all the time. And brothers, I still struggle with this. I am not at all batting a thousand in this, 
in this battle against my flesh. But I tell you what, I'm not taking it lightly. Like no soldier signs up for military life and says, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah, let me let me just see if this works out. No, they they commit. Good soldiers commit. They become someone else. They become a soldier, and over time, through much training, they become skilled and proficient soldiers. What keeps us from becoming warriors for Christ? Or what I like to call men of valor, modern men of valor, right? So David had his men of valor. What about modern men of valor, the modern man of valor today? So there's a story that I read, um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Hannibal, the the Carthaginian general. So he led his army across the Alps and into Italy, where he won several battles against the Roman army. Like the Roman army was at the peak of their power, and here comes Hannibal kicking their butt. And it's just this incredible, like he was... uh, His men were fierce. He was a great general, but something happened one winter. Something interesting happened one winter. They spent a winter in this place called Capua, a city that was known for its pleasures and indulgences. And his soldiers during that winter fell to the luxuries and temptations of the city and completely lost their military discipline. And what was the result? The result was that they fell to the Romans. So what the Roman might couldn't do, couldn't accomplish, a life of luxury did to them. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, when the church lies down at ease, she is apt to feel the disease of abundance. The current of the world runs furiously towards sin, and the fear is lest the Lord's swimmers should not be able to stem the flood. So this is this is what I believe. We don't see life as war because we are very, very comfortable. We are very comfortable. And we look for more and more comfort. We look for the easiest way I mean, my wife and I were actually just talking about this yesterday. We were talking about the temptation that we all face to take the easiest route, to take the easiest path. And like, this is what she and I were discussing among, among ourselves. We want to do that as well. Even in our marriages, what is the easiest way? And I believe that many of us, many men today have not developed spiritual discipline. We do not train like soldiers going to war. We look around and we act no different than the world. We choose the luxury of life over the discipline of a wartime mentality. So Paul goes on. It's not only an, not only a soldier that he talks to uh, Timothy about. He also says in verse in Second Timothy two five, he says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes to the rules according to the rules. So first a soldier. Now he tells us that the reward we will receive should be looked at like an athlete looks at winning a race or a championship. 
right? Hebrews 2, 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 1 Corinthians. So that was the Hebrew writer. Now Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all runners, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Like, I grew up in, in the era of Michael Jordan. And, I, I, I mean... There was nothing more fun than watching the Bulls in the playoffs. The playoffs are on right now, the NBA playoffs, whether you watch sports or don't. It's not the same as it used to be. And so I loved watching that. I loved watching. And, and so this there's always this debate, who is the greatest? Who is the GOAT? And everybody kind of points to, well, Jordan won. You know, he had two three-peats. He won six championships, of course, He's the GOAT. LeBron's not the GOAT. Kobe, you know, there's all this debate. Brothers, they are working their tails off. They worked their tails off. They worked their tails off for earthly gold medals, for earthly NBA championships. An NFL player hopes that one day he gets to play in the Super Bowl. Brothers, every single day of our life, we are running a race. And this is not a sprint. This is an endurance sport. This is an ultra marathon. It's going to last a very long time. As long as the Lord wants it to last, it's going to last. And you and I have the responsibility to train, to train, to run the race, to look at the prize, to keep our eyes focused on the prize, Jesus Christ. Just keep it focused on Jesus Christ. This is why we have to keep coming back to the gospel over and over and over and reminding ourselves who we are, reminding ourselves that we are in Christ, we have to reckon, we have to think deeply about the fact that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. An athlete, if an earthly athlete exercises self-control in all things, what should we, what should you and I be exercising self-control in? We can't sit at the table of the world and just eat everything it puts in front of us and think that we're going to compete. We're not going to compete. We're going to lose. We have to have a strict diet. We have to be extremely focused and driven. This is why this is why Paul tells Timothy, you you not only have to be a soldier, training for war, but you also have to be an athlete who exercises self-control and like they have their mindset on a goal they're going to achieve. 
So a soldier is training for something that's going to happen later, right? So he's training, training, training because there could be war, and so he needs to be prepared for that. An athlete has his mind set on the goal, a finished product, an end result, the finish line. And so he trains and he competes and he endures for the sake of winning that prize. And Paul's telling Timothy, you've got to do the same thing. Now he goes on. Second Timothy two six, it is the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So what's special about a farmer? And obviously this was a, a visual picture for uh, for Timothy that he would have been all too familiar with in their day and time. What's special about a farmer? I think when I think about a farmer, the hard working farmer. They're patient. They understand very simple principles like whatever a man sows, that will he reap. And he doesn't just go and spread his seed and then leave it alone. No, he works. And he works the field. And he keeps predators away. Galatians 6 do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brother, what I want to see is I want to see millions of men freed from sexual sin so that they can then go and help other brothers do the same and that they will not grow weary. They will be patient. Like, we, we live in a microwave society. We want the easiest button, the fastest. Like, we don't think about farmers. We think about going to the grocery store and microwaving something. We have to have this mentality of a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. So what's the purpose? What's at stake? Paul shows us what's at stake. Later in 2 Timothy, just further down in the chapter, he says this to Timothy. He says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passion and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee youthful passions. Pursue righteousness. What is at stake, brother? It's, it's your usefulness in this world. God has designed you. If you're a true follower of Christ, God has designed you to be a vessel for honorable use. Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work, which, by the way, in Ephesians 2.10, Paul tells the church that God's already prepared good works in advance for you to do. So, brother, 
I want you to look at your life. You have works that God has set up in advance for you to do. However, if you are pursuing youthful passions and not pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace, then you will not be a vessel for honorable use. You will not be a vessel of gold and silver, but you will be a vessel of wood and clay. And at the end of your life, you'll think, I wasted it. I wasted it. I don't want you to waste it. I want you to wake up and I want you to take hold of of whatever God has for your life. But in order to do that, I, I think we I think we all need to hear. I know I need to hear. I think we all need to hear. Paul's charge to Timothy to be a good soldier, to be a, an athlete, a passionate athlete, and then to be a hard-working farmer. Like, we need this. We need this in the church today. We need this in our families today. We need this in our businesses today. So, brother, I just I just want to encourage you with this word. Like, take this seriously. Life is war. As much as we don't want to think about it, life is life is a an endurance sport. It's an endurance sport. I love how my kids, like my my daughter, just turned eighteen yesterday. My son's twenty one, and I love this, like the youthfulness. This <clears throat> how they look at life is so, so incredibly awesome. But I know if the Lord allows them to live, let's just say to 70 or 80, if the Lord allows them to live that long, life is going to be full of ups and downs. Life is going to be full of pain and pleasure. Life is going to be full of tears and sadness, of hardship and depression, of addictions and hurt, just as much as it's going to be about happiness and fulfillment we must have christ like we desperately need christ to finish our life well to to live our lives well and so i just want to encourage you with this passage and that's all i have for you today brothers and uh again you can check out the man of if you want to learn more about what's going on with that and uh and i'll be back sooner than a month with another episode of porn in the gospel